Hey guys, welcome back to Bible Plus Podcast with Christian students on campus. Today we're looking at Revelation chapter 11, which is a pretty difficult chapter uh, in a difficult book. So I want to try and make it simple and just try and point out uh, some of the main points of this chapter. Real quick reminder on the structure of this whole book. Uh, the book is broken down into two main sections, chapters 1 through 11, chapters 12 through 22. So in 1 through 11, we have the overview from Christ's ascension all the way into eternity, and that's where we're ending up today. We're going to have a glimpse of the final product where the kingdom of God has come. And then in chapters 12 through 22, we kind of double back on uh, a big part of that overview and then zoom in on the details, uh, really, of the last three and a half years of this age called the Great Tribulation. So we'll get the details of what's really going on there and how Uh, Christ presses through that uh, hostile opposition to consummate his eternal purpose. Okay, so chapter 11 is really um, about three things. Uh, It's about the two witnesses, the seventh trumpet, and the temple and the ark. So I want to look at these three things one at a time. Number one, the two witnesses. That's what the bulk of this chapter is about. Number two, the seventh trumpet, the final trumpet. And number three, kind of an overarching principle that's mentioned in the very last verse, uh, the temple and the ark, which is going to govern the revelation in chapters 12 through 22 on the details. Okay, so first off, in verse three, we're we're told that God will send two witnesses to prophesy for 1260 days, okay? And so that's the same period of time as in verse two, 42 months, which is three and a half years which is the great tribulation that Jesus talked about back in Matthew um, 24 that he told us was coming. So what what's going on here? Well, what this chapter is mainly answering is how God will make good on his covenant with Israel to bring them into the blessings of everything he's promised them. So this chapter is about God's faithfulness uh, in working with his uh Uh, chosen people, Israel, his Old Testament chosen people, and bringing them into the new covenant so that they can be part of the one people of God, which make up the temple of God. So you'll notice if you're closely looking at this chapter that this chapter is bracketed by mention of the temple. Verse 1 and verse 19 both mention the temple, God measuring the temple, uh, and then in verse 19, God revealing that consummate temple in eternity future as the final product of God's building, God's purpose to gain a building and a dwelling place. So the two witnesses are are mainly um, showing us uh, God's work to convert the nation of Israel. And so really we need to read Revelation chapter 11 in light of Romans 11. And so I want to read these two verses, Romans 11, 25 and 26, to help us kind of contextualize Revelation chapter 11. These two verses say, I do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of this mystery, that hardness has come upon Israel in part until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, and thus all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This is the covenant from me with them when I take away their sins. So Revelation chapter 11 is read uh, rightly in 
the perspective of Romans 11 uh, as God making good on his covenant to Israel. And the way he does that is he sends two witnesses. Now, this gets pretty crazy because uh, Revelation is showing us that during this 42-month period, God will send Moses and Elijah back to this earth to complete a testimony. That's what verse 7 says. Verse 7 says, and that testimony is what Moses and Elijah have done historically in their roles as law and prophet. These two people are representative of the two major sections of the Old Testament, the law and the prophet. And you'll remember back in the Gospels, they, uh, Moses and Elijah, appear to Jesus on that mountain of transfiguration and converse with him. And so we know these two guys have a really particular and peculiar uh, role, and they'll have a future role, and they will do what they've done historically, which is point to Christ, testify to Christ. John 5, 39 and 40, Jesus says, you search the scriptures, the law and the prophets, and it's these that testify to me. So Moses and Elijah will be here for 42 months testifying to Israel that their own law and prophets point them to Christ, and they need to repent to receive Christ as their Savior. So this is uh, what this chapter is all about. Um, Now, Moses and Elijah have another particular significance in that when we think about what they their historical context in the Old Testament, Moses was a prophet who confronted Pharaoh, a Gentile, a Gentile power, a powerful Gentile nation that persecuted and enslaved God's people. So that will be really relevant because that will be the case with Antichrist. He will be the head of a powerful world system persecuting God's people. And so Moses will affect that final eschatological exodus and release of God's people into you know, the, the new good land. And Elijah was a prophet who confronted Jezebel at a time of darkness and degradation among God's people. So Ahab and Jezebel brought in a bunch of pagan idols, and Elijah confronted that situation of degradation um, and kind of really prophesied to a remnant of God's people. So that, again, will uh, come into play in the future. And these two witnesses in chapter 11 will be in contrast to two beasts we'll see in chapter 13. So these 42 months will be quite a supernatural, uh, intensified context on earth. Uh, Two confrontations of, you know, testimonies towards Christ and against Christ. Now, it's really interesting that in this chapter, there are two particular titles for God that really enlighten us uh, to what really is going on in this chapter. And that's in verse 4 and verse 13. Verse 4 calls him the Lord of the earth, and verse 13 calls him the God of heaven. So this is a great um, symmetry here that the Lord of the earth and the God of heaven are invoked here in light of God's purpose. And these have, again, strong Old Testament echoes and allusions. The Lord of the earth points back to Zechariah chapter 4, In that context was the rebuilding of the temple after the Babylonian captivity. And Daniel chapter 2 is uh, the allusion to the God of heaven. You can look at verse uh, 44 in Daniel chapter 2. And that was, again, a future prophecy of a coming kingdom to the head of Babylon, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. So both of these 
titles for God, the Lord of earth and the God of heaven, allude to Old Testament contexts related to Babylon and related specifically to the rebuilding of the temple and the coming of the kingdom. And so again, what really is going on in Revelation chapter 11 is this kind of subtext of Old Testament allusions that God is rebuilding a greater heavenly temple, his final temple, the New Jerusalem, and that temple will be the coming kingdom that we'll see at the end of this chapter. So, and again, both of them are in relation to the opposition and the tyranny of Babylon, which we'll see come into play in chapter 17 and 18. Okay, so that's what's going on with these two witnesses. I know it's kind of a lot, but um, basically God's going to send back two witnesses to convert his Old Testament people, Israel, into the new covenant blessings, and that will be for the rebuilding of the heavenly temple, the church, and the coming of the kingdom as the new Jerusalem. Okay, so once that happens, verse 13 says, the rest became terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. So that's that conversion. Once that happens, then the seventh trumpet is ready to sound. And that is in verse 15, the great news, the consummation of God's eternal purpose, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. So this is the good news, the certainty of God's success in bringing in the kingdom despite, again, hostile antagonism and worldwide rebellion and darkness and degradation among his people. Eventually, God will triumph. The kingdom will come, and it's going to come through Christ. Okay, so it's a very simple point, but um, this, is, uh, this is the good news that we can believe in and praise God for now, even when we're witnessing a world in upheaval and chaos, we have the certainty that that trumpet will sound and the kingdom uh, will radically come and revolutionize this earth. Remember, he's the Lord of the earth. He wants to bring the heavenly kingdom down to this earth. And it's interesting, verse 18 mentions this, uh, this last phrase of the verse says, that God will destroy those who destroy the earth. So you really see that there's a battle for the earth here. Uh, Satan ultimately wants to destroy humanity, destroy the earth, and God uh, will come in with his judgment to preserve the earth and destroy those who want to destroy the earth and bring in his kingdom to the earth. So that's what the seventh trumpet is about. And that, again, wraps up the overview section of Revelation and brings us to eternity. Eternity is the kingdom on earth. So the last point I want to look at real quick is the last verse, which says, The temple of God, which is in heaven, was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings and voices and thunders and an earthquake and great hail. So this uh, not only concludes this first section of Revelation and glimpses, gives us a glimpse of eternity, the temple and the ark, but it, it becomes a principle that governs the second half of the book. The principle that governed the first half of the book was God's throne. Remember, we saw that back in chapter 4. There was a throne in heaven. And the first half of the book really was all about God's judgment. It was a very intense section. But that throne uh, is, in a sense, replaced by the temple principle of the second half of the book. And when we think about these in together, what this is saying is saying that it's saying that God reigns on the throne in light of and for the building of his temple. 
The throne is the center of God's administration. The temple is the center of God's accomplishments, which is his building for his testimony, for his expression. So God's testimony comes out of God's throne and judgment, and all of God's judgments from the throne are for his testimony. So the temple is really the central principle that governs the second half of this book and concludes with the new Jerusalem, which is the temple of God, uh, in which we will dwell with God for eternity. So this leaves us with uh, kind of a final takeaway question, and that is, many Christians know God as the God on the throne, the sovereign God, the God of all authority and power and, uh, you know, might. But do we know God in his temple? Do we know God in his dwelling place? Do we know God in his expression and building? And that's ultimately what God is doing from the throne, building his eternal habitation, the new Jerusalem. Okay, so again, tough chapter. The main points are the two witnesses. What they're doing is completing their testimony to Israel to bring them into the new covenant blessings. They're testifying to the Lord of earth, the God of heaven for the rebuilding of God's temple, the church, and the coming of God's kingdom. Once that's done, the seventh trumpet will sound and that kingdom will in fact come and revolutionize this world system. And we will have... Uh, the temple with the ark, which ultimately is simply Christ and the church as the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose.